for her insight into your situation. Welcome to the Marie Manucherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 16 years of professional healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My medical background combined with intuitive insights and skill in moving energy have been a catalyst for transformation in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. everyone and welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We are live here in Seattle. A gorgeous day, by the way, in Seattle. I think we're having kind of late, late summer weather in early November. What do you think, Eric? I think the uh, term for this is Indian summer. <laughs> oh, I love it. And, it's, uh, oh. I always enjoy a good Indian summer. I don't think we've had one for a little while. We haven't. It seemed like the last few years kind of, you know, once it was the fall, it was the fall. Yeah. But now, yeah, beautiful. It's amazing. I will trade a hot, you know, a few hot summer days for this any day of spread the week. Spread it out. Share the wealth. That's <laughs> exactly. what I always say. Spread the wealth. As always, I want to thank our callers before you even start calling into the station. But believe it or not, before I even get on the air, we already have callers calling in. It's a very blessed show. We're grateful. And we get callers from all over the world. So I always like to say thank you for being courageous to call and ask such personal questions that um, we hope, between myself and our guests, offer you the answers that you need, but also teach everybody else who's listening, because we all share similar problems. And I just want to thank you so much in advance for your kindness and generosity. So today on the show, we have actually one of my Facebook friends. I, I, I love Facebook. I really do. I'm one of those late comers to Facebook. I've only been on it for maybe about a year, maybe a year and a half. My kids thought I was crazy. Of course, they had to teach me how to use it, because uh, you know I didn't know how to use it. And um, so I met Dr. Alan Geddes on Facebook, and he you is our guest today. You were both playing Farmville. And... <laughs> I don't think he does Farmville, and I don't good, either. Good. But no, I don't do the Farmville thing. You know, Smart. Yeah, I don't have time for that. I'm mostly doing work stuff with Facebook and saying happy birthday to people that I don't even get to see anymore, which yep. I so appreciate. Do you like Facebook, Eric? I do, yeah. Oh, yeah, I just really like it. Okay, I find then... it handy, but I don't do any of the games. So... No games, yeah. yeah okay, well, I'm going to make you time. a new friend, so we'll be adding numbers to our friends list. So Dr. Dr. Alan Geddes um, realized that something was missing in his life, although he had degrees from four different universities and was schooled in psychodynamic, supportive, and cognitive behavioral therapy. There seemed to be a key ingredient that was lacking in his therapeutic approach to helping others heal and thrive. That was in 1969 when his search for the missing ingredient led him to studies of world cultures in general and Zen in particular. As the years passed and he became steeped in stories and in wisdom, he knew he had uncovered an important method of helping people to get unstuck and feel happier. Yes, Dr. Alan Geddes believes wholeheartedly in the power of stories. Um, Dr. Geddes spent two years as a Vietnam-era Army psychologist in the late 1960s, and in the 1970s, he worked for seven years at a large mental health center at the chief psychologist. He's a clinical psychologist with graduate degrees from Central Michigan University, Utah State University, and Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons. He has been in private practice since 1974. And you're also welcome, Dr. Geddes. Welcome. Thank you. You're Thanks also, for having me. Of course, of course. It's a pleasure. And you're also the author of how many books? Five books. Five. Yeah. And I've had the pleasure of reading, I think, your two latest books, The Happiest mm-hmm. Solution, and it's all part of the dance. Yes. Which are lovely. And I love stories, too. I think everyone loves to learn from stories. And you have personal stories and then Zen philosophy and quotation marks, and they're just beautiful. Thank you so much. 
My pleasure. I'm glad you enjoyed the books. Hi, I do. I, they're very great. They're wonderful. Um, so it, it was in the 60s um, that mm-hmm. you started to wonder about, um, you know, how to make things happier in your life. Did you have an actual event that occurred to you personally? I was in school finishing up my doctorate in the New School for Social Research in Greenwich Village and spending a lot of time philosophizing and thinking about life. And I was drafted into the military. They stopped honoring student deferments on account of the Vietnam War. Right. So I spent a couple of years in the Army sorting things out and had the uh, good fortune, I guess, if you want to say that, of working at an Army hospital dealing with people who were on their way to or coming back from Vietnam. And there were a lot of unhappy people, Mm -hmm. a lot of stressed out people and uh, you know, that gave me some wonderful experiences and led me to think about my own life and how I was going to be happier and how I was going to feel fulfilled. And uh, I just started to read everything I could, and it took me to Zen and later cognitive behavioral therapy, and I tried to form a little marriage between them and get a working philosophy that, that worked in my own life and which I could share with others. Oh, I think that's amazing. I think that's absolutely wonderful. So it wasn't like one big event. It was just a lot of assessments you've taken from working with other people, too, and and just how do you help them get to a happy place? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think the beauty of being a psychotherapist is that you're in therapy all the time. (laughs) So everything that you're, you're saying to people as you run through the gamut of human emotions and experiences you know, you're, you're talking to them in a way in which you're helping them, but it's also putting your own life in perspective. And I really think that's been one of the things that has been very much a blessing in my own life and enabled me to uh, make sure I was practicing what I was preaching. And so the idea of, of helping people to remove obstacles to their happiness just became such a central part of my work And I thought about, uh, after many years, maybe this is something I should write about. Mm -hmm. And I took a quiz called the One Minute Happiness Quiz, and I scored very highly on it. And when I looked at the interpretation, it said, wow, you did so well, you should consider writing your own book on happiness. (laughs) So I did. So that was your sign, right? Yes. Yes. Do you believe in signs that we, Mm -hmm. yeah, that, you know, Mm -hmm. they come into our lives in all various ways. Do you think that you've always been happy, that you've been able to see the glass half full, so to speak? Um, No, no. No. I, I, Mm -hmm. I think... I think I've gotten happier and happier with each passing decade. Mm. And as I've learned more and mature more, I think, uh, you know, a big part of happiness is is contentment and peace of mind. It's not necessarily rolling over in laughter all the time, but it's really finding a way to be engaged in life in a wholehearted rather than a half-baked way and a way to appreciate um, what you like and strive to make your, your life feel as good to you as possible. So I think I've learned how to do that slowly over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think I was ever a really unhappy person, but um, I think it's definitely something I acquired, and that's why I felt it was teachable. I thought that, hmm, people can really learn mental health skills that will contribute to their feeling Mm -hmm. a lot better, that this is very doable. Mm -hmm. And that's when I began to, to think about 
you know, how to convey this message. Mm-hmm. And then throughout your books, you know, you the chapters, you know, have interesting titles to them, like The Whole Truth and Nothing But the Truth, mm-hmm. with beautiful stories and analogies mm-hmm. so that people can develop, you know, the skill set yeah. to get out of the misery or the fear or the shame or whatever it is, right? Sure, and sure. And then find that place of happiness. Yeah, and, you know, you're talking about fear and misery and shame, and mm-hmm. and some people think it's just them. You know, they don't realize that everybody at some point is struggling with issues, and it's been said that you can walk up to anybody in any venue. You know, you can go to your local supermarket, walk up to somebody you don't know and say, I'm sorry to hear about your problem, <laughs> and they'll say, who told you? Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's it's very much a universal thing that people at some point in their lives are struggling. You know, they're struggling, they're discouraged, they want to be happier and find meaning and purpose and joy. And, and uh, you know, I want to get that message out there that this is something that can be done. Right. And so do you believe part of it is also a choice, what you choose to focus on? I do. Mm-hmm. I, I think choice is very key. And in fact, I devote a whole section in the new book about choices. And to some degree, I think very much you are your choices. But I don't want to simplify that either, because I've read a bunch of books on happiness. And in fact, one of them is called Happiness is a Choice. And um, it it just makes it sound a little too easy. Like, you, why don't you just decide to be happy? Mm -hmm. But I think uh, there are... You have some ground you need to clear away sometimes in order for a person to be able to make that choice. I think people can choose to be happy, but it's not as simple as flicking a light switch, you know, and all of a sudden, there you go, you're happy. I think you have to learn about it. You have to understand how to produce it. And then when you make that decision to be happy, it's something that you can be successful at. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's practice. Very much so. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to play an instrument or if you wanted to learn golf or tennis, you would learn the rudimentary skills. You'd take some lessons and then you would practice it again and again. It would be awkward at first. It certainly wouldn't come natural. And you might get discouraged along the way, but if you persisted, eventually it's going to become more second nature and you're going to start to feel more competent at being able to do it. It is the same thing with mental health. You need to learn those skills so you know how to practice, and then you look for opportunities in your day-to-day life that become grist for the mill. You you utilize those opportunities to work at becoming more like the person you're hoping to be. Oh, that's beautiful. And in the happiness solution, you even have a test, maybe the test you were kind of alluding to earlier that you Mm -hmm. took, um, about are you happy? Mm-hmm. So you can actually check it out. And then, of course, the interpretation, you know, that well, maybe you're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and then that's really helpful because it's at the beginning of the book before you start reading about how you can be happy, which is, um, I think, lovely. I think yeah. that's really wonderful. And if people take that test and they don't score highly, um, I, I think what they should do is just say, okay, this is my starting point. Sometimes I have people rate their happiness level from 1 to 10, with 1 being very unhappy and 10 being kind of ecstatic. And I say, where are you at in your life right now? What rating would you give yourself? So if they give themselves, let's say, a 6, my work is to 
talk to them about how are we going to get you to a six and a half. Wow. You know, not we don't we're not interested in going from a six to a ten wow. because that's just too big a leap and the person's going to get discouraged. But if you think about it, going from a six to a six and a half, that sounds like something that you can really do. Wow. So we, we try to just bring it up and then, you know, when we're at six and a half and we're okay, let's think about a seven and we keep moving keep moving it up. Wow, I love that. And I know that gives your patients and friends um, all the hope in the world and trust that they're going to move in a positive direction. And I believe that. I think, you know, it's important that their therapist or the, the book that they're reading really believes that because at the bottom of uh, many people's issues, there's really a sense of being discouraged. And I think it's very important to encourage people and to teach them how to encourage themselves. Oh, I love that. I love that. So we're going to take a break here on the Marie Menu Cherry Show, and we have Dr. Alan Geddes, Ph.D., who loves to teach people about happiness. He's here on the air with us, and he'll be taking your calls, and we'll be right back. Join Deborah Silverman, internationally recognized astrologer and psychotherapist, for an intriguing weekend of astrology, November 6th and 7th. Whether you're a beginning or intermediate student, this workshop will take you into the heart of astrology's true purpose. Why am I here? What are my gifts? What path is right for me? Astrology for Beginners highlights the practical nuts and bolts of astrology, including the elements, signs, planets, houses, and aspects, while shedding light on how to use astrology to awaken one's spiritual identity and life purpose. Astrology for Beginners will be held at the Hotel Monaco in downtown Seattle. Visit Deborah's website at deborah-silverman.com to register. Class space is limited. Register with a friend and receive a $50 discount. If you want to know how to get in touch with Marie or find out what's on her calendar, there are a variety of ways to find out. Become Marie's friend on Facebook or follow her on Twitter. Sign up for Marie's free newsletter. Each quarter, she writes an in-depth article and responds to Dear Marie questions. Email Marie if you'd like your question to be answered in an upcoming edition. Also, be sure to check out Marie's website in January. The class schedule for 2011 will be posted along with a complete website makeover. For more information, visit Marie's website, energyintuitive.com, or call 425-825-5671. Are you looking for tools to enhance your life or to bring those things you desire into your life? Marie offers a variety of CDs to help you do just that. Get acquainted with your seven primary chakras and balance your human energy system. Or is embracing your intuition what you're looking to learn? Or would you rather focus on a healthy immune system? These CDs and more are available through Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. Alternative Talk 1150 is now being broadcast in digital quality on FM 98.9 HD3. So rejoice, you early adopters of technology. And welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We are live here in Seattle where energy and medicine meet. And we're blessed to have Dr. Alan Geddes live with us in the studio, who's taking your calls, offering you wonderful and practical advice about anything, because really, Dr. Geddes, you've seen it all, don't you think? I've seen a lot. (laughs) I mean, when you start your career working, well, at some point in your career working with Army vets, I mean, you can't get much more challenging than that. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. 
Yes, that, that was a great way to break into the field and to get a lot of experience in a short amount of time. Yeah, and, and I think that that's also a sign that, I mean, you already know this, you don't need anyone to convince you that this is what you're meant to do with your life. But I think when you get early education like that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. it's just a really big sign that there's a, a lot ahead for you and that sure. gaining those skill sets um, gives you all that confidence, too. It does, and I was one of those fortunate people who somehow knew what he wanted to do very early in life, you know, before college. Um, in, in high school, I knew I wanted to be a psychologist, and so right from day one, I just was able to fully uh, choose and invest in what I'm doing and c- continue to do. Oh, you are a fortunate person. That's a blessing. Yes. Such a blessing. So who do we have on the line, Eric? Well, let's take our first caller. We've got Linda calling from Bellevue. Hi, Linda. Hi. Hello. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, hi, Marie. I know you're going to say congratulations when I say <laughs> that I got laid off my job. Yes, congratulations. I'm happy for you. Yeah, that's good. Yes. I knew that was coming. Um, so now, unlike Dr. Dennis, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Uh-huh. But I am at the point where... Um, I, the next thing I do, I want it to be truly meaningful, um, you know, more along the lines of my purpose, my calling, um, but I'm a bit clueless, so, so any, El- any insight? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to direct this to Dr. Geddes, since we're so lucky to have him, and what would you suggest for Linda? Well, I would suggest that she take a step back and take some deep breaths and try to um, not rush into anything. Yeah, yeah, I think because sometimes people, when they're out of work, tend to panic a little bit, and they they take the first thing that comes along, even if it's not a very good fit. And uh, I know it's easy for me to say, relax with this and take a step back and and, uh, be patient, but I think if you're able to do that, you know, that would be a a great thing for you to do. Um, If there's anything along the lines of the old... Joseph Campbell line of follow your bliss, where you've been thinking about if it, there, it involves studying something new or shifting careers. You know, there are plenty of people who shift careers at all different ages. So being creative, you can find ways of getting involved in a situation, a work situation, that could be a lot more gratifying for you. Yeah, and I agree with the whole bliss um, aspect because one of the things I've learned, um, you know, throughout my careers is that if I choose something that brings me happiness, it leads me to more happiness. And, and it's, of course, a sign that there's a win-win. So, Linda, what brings you bliss? Well, that's what I'm trying to sort out right now, what mm-hmm. brings me bliss and, um, and, again, not jump into anything. Mm-hmm. It takes some time, but... Um, I'm kind of looking for some inspiration to come from inside of me. (laughs) Great, great. You know, Linda, what I would add to this is when we're out of work, it can be a difficult situation and it can be quite challenging. So you want to make sure that you don't add anything extra that's unnecessary. For example, sometimes if a person lost a job, got laid off, they begin to worry about oh, what are people going to think about me? How can I tell my family? 
you know, what if I'm out of work a long time? Is this going to look so bad on my resume? And they begin to do all of these what-ifs. And with each what-if, it generates more anxiety and more discouragement. So I think you want to make sure that you're not adding anything extra, that you get a positive dialogue going in your head, and you say to yourself, you know, this is an opportunity for me. I, I, I wasn't thrilled with the last position, and now I have a chance to be on the brink of shifting directions and finding something more meaningful, uh, a position I value more, and that is a better fit. So uh, in Chinese calligraphy, the two characters that make up the word crisis, one character is danger, and the other character is opportunity. And I think, you know, that's the way we have to think of it, that this is a, a slippery slope, but we can navigate it. And it's really an opportunity for us to get to a position in our lives that may work out a lot better for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really great advice because, you know, like today, because we're congratulating you, you know, I, I think that part of the reason why the economy has made some shifts is so that people will have more personal integrity with themselves about what they want to do in the world that really brings them happiness. Because if we have happy people doing happy things, our planet is happier overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think it's true what Dr. Geddes said. Like you know, it's uncomfortable when you have to talk to people and they ask you again and again. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, it, and it brings back all the fear. And then we may be doing positive affirmations in the morning, and then you go to Starbucks to get a latte, and someone's question you about your career or what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, then the emotions plummet back to that kind of scary place. I think that's yeah. excellent advice. Yeah. And and then what I would add to that, Linda, is um, find something to do every day that brings you joy. And I don't care if it's raking up leaves and jumping in the pile of it, you know, every single day, because that's going to shift your frequency and your vibration. And since you have the intent, as Dr. Geddes said, to have this incredible opportunity to rediscover yourself, then you'll bring more um, positive energy to your work looking um, adventures. Okay, I appreciate that because I've been doing all of those things. Yay! Good. Congratulations. Yeah. I, I'm, on, I'm on a good track. Yes, you are. Great. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. All right. Now we've got Maria from Bothell on the line. Hi, Maria. Hi. How are you? Fine. Wonderful. What Dr. Geddes was saying just really hits the nail on the head for me. And um, But uh, one of the issues... He mentioned he works with veterans, and I'm sure that there must be some uh, traumatic issues that they deal with, and maybe there's something in his tools that he teaches veterans that I could learn from in terms of um, uh, my, I'm, I'm facing kind of a very stressful situation, and I do my affirmations and try to incorporate things in my life right now between my work, um, I'm not working right now, and um, uh, I have a big meeting coming up, which will be very pivotal, pivotal in uh, November, and I feel like I'm having, um, uh, like, my, my, my sensory perceptions are just getting numbed because I'm uh, sometimes going in this state of fear. What can I do about that? Maria, I, th- I think one of the things that would be very helpful for you, and this may be a leap of faith that you're going to have to take, is to trust yourself. Because a lot of times the fear is generated by a sense that 
we're not going to do okay. You know, something's going to happen. Something's going to threaten us. We're not going to be able to respond effectively. The outcome is going to be poor. And we don't really trust our ability to handle situations. So I would, in this situation, try to exchange worry for trust. Mm-hmm. You know, make that exchange. If, if you think about it, worry is probably one of the most useless and futile emotions because there's no great formula. Like for every hour or two we worry, it doesn't reduce the chances of what we're worried about from actually occurring. So it is a pretty useless kind of activity. And you're not going to be the, denied the, uh, the, the feelings of worrying or feeling bad if something actually happened, if that meeting went terribly. No one's going to deprive you of the opportunity to feel whatever you want to feel, but you don't have to do it in advance. When you're doing it in advance, what's happening is this conversation is going on in your head, and every cell in your body is listening to that conversation. How so, can I just turn that off? I mean, I just... Okay. It's, it's a sli- like you said, it's a slippery slope, but like yeah. you said, the Chinese anagram, you know, where can I put, um, you know, climbers have these things in the bottom of their shoes or whatever, and I'm feeling, mm-hmm. when I'm feeling slippery slope, what can I do to just... Stop it. Okay. You, you catch yourself in the act. You know, there I go again, going to the dark side. And just like uh, somebody who's fishing, you, you kind of reel yourself back in. You realize you've entered the dark side. And now you reel yourself back in. You could, you could picture a stop sign. You can tell yourself to change the channel. Mm-hmm. You, you really need to uh, find a way to short-circuit the process it's not so much whether these thoughts pop into your head or not. It's what you do with them. And you don't want to be bluffed by your thoughts. These are just thoughts. They have no particular power unless you pay attention to them. You use them as springboards to develop themes, you know, themes that are worst-case scenarios. The more that you hang on and cling to, that's what creates uh, the, the pain and the discouragement and anxiety. So you want to be able to learn how to let go. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the stories that I use to illustrate this uh, is, is about two monks who are walking along, and they're novice monks, and they're, they're about an hour away from the monastery, and it's a rainy day, and they see this beautiful woman in a silk kimono trying to cross this muddy ravine, and the one monk swiftly picks her up and carries her to the other side, and then they continue. And about an hour later, the second monk who witnessed this couldn't take it anymore. He was fuming, and he says, how could you do that? How could you have contact with women? We're not supposed to do that. And the monk who had done it said, are you still carrying her? I put her down an hour ago. (laughs) And, And that's what we need to learn to do. We need to, if these thoughts pop into our head, we need to put them down, shift gears, let go. And, and what Marie said earlier about taking positive action, that's a great antidote for negative thinking. You know, if you're getting stuck in negative thinking, do something nice for somebody else. Do something constructive. Get outside of that preoccupation with things going wrong that uh, traps you. You know, you get stuck in that position 
And you really want to just be able to let go, move on, shift gears. And mm-hmm. sometimes to have a symbol, an icon, anything that's going to help you get unstuck mm-hmm. is very helpful. You know, my mom taught me a long time ago some words when my thoughts get really negative. And I just say over and over again until I can stop the pattern, take it out of the law. And so I I just say it actually out loud. Mm -hmm. And it kind of disrupts my thinking and gets me Mm -hmm. out of the illusion of this fearful thing I've created in my head. And then uh, I can get back to um, living a happier life. Sure. So you might want to try that, Maria. What was the saying you said? Take it out of the law. Take it out of the law. Yeah, and I just say it oh, until okay. I stop thinking whatever I was thinking. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so I would mm-hmm. give that a shot. And we're happy for you because this is huge what you're doing. I mean, you're going to change your whole life. I, I yeah. know it, and it's scary, but <laughs> I, I want to do it, but it's, um, I just have to, I'll find some mechanism. I have been doing volunteer work. I've been keeping really busy, mm-hmm. getting involved in community, but um, it just, it's, uh this impending situation, but I will find a way, a mechanism, like you said. Great. Yeah, yeah we're happy for it. We're sending you yeah. beautiful, bright light, all of us are, mm-hmm. so that this situation ends in a way that brings you peace. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. And, bye-bye. And talking about fear, um, I was before we go to our break, I was going to talk to you, Dr. Geddes, about an area in your book where you talk about um, you know, that it takes courage when you're in the fear, like tremendous courage. And you mm-hmm. write about a time when you were in your 20s and you were, because I want to hear about this too, you were in this mm-hmm. drug-induced psychotic episode, mm-hmm. or you were having some episodes, and you were going to, you were being interviewed for a staff psychologist position at a hospital. Yes. And while yes. you're being interviewed, the, the man who was interviewing, I'm, I'm assuming another physician, he kept turning into the wolf man. You know? Yes. <laughs> I didn't make this up. This uh, is true. I know. I love this story. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes when I write about my personal experiences like that, not everybody likes that oh, because I they it. want their therapist <laughs> not to be fallible. Uh, and you know, I, I write about my human side, and that was a time in my life where I was in my 20s and my father had just died, and I was facing other difficult um, challenges, and I went to a party and I had never used uh, that kind of a drug, but my friend said, come on, try it, and and I did, and it, it led me into a psychotic experience that full with delusions and hallucinations, and uh, it took me a good six or eight months to wow. work it through. Wow. And in the thick of it, I did go for that interview, and the psychiatrist interviewed me for an hour, grilling me, and he was Wolfman, <laughs> morphing back and forth. And uh, at the end of the interview... He offered me the job. (laughs) (laughs) So it's an old Ramdas line came back to me, which was, you know, just because you're experiencing otherworldly phenomena and seeing gods and goddesses or devils is no reason not to know your zip code. (laughs) And that's what it was like for me. You know, I I had to be able to navigate both worlds and stay with the interview in the middle of the psychosis. And uh, it was a quite, a quite a lesson for me. And then after that, I took that lesson, and I did work with a, uh, a psychotic population for a wow. few years. Wow. And it was very, very, very helpful. Well, I think, um, I mean, I hope everyone who's listening knows that you want a therapist who will 
uh, maybe not in session, share their life story, but certainly, you know, in a book <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and be honest and aware because it's through our life experiences that we learn to grow and that's how we help others anyway. Yeah. So I love that story. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. We're going to take a break here on the Marie Manu Cherry Show and we will back, be back with Dr. Alan Geddes. Marie and Dr. Sheila Dunn-Merritt's Healing from Within series can now be purchased on DVD. This four-part interactive series was filmed live at their weekend workshops. The DVDs include medical and energetic insight, as well as informative tools you can use for a lifetime. Chakra exercises and dietary guidelines are included. The first two DVDs on detoxification and heart health are available now through Marie's website, www.energyintuitive.com. Coming soon are the Brain Health and Hormonal System DVDs. Purchase your copy today and get started on your own healing process. The Gary Mant Show, it's the home of mastery and mystery. Thunderbirds Hockey is putting us on ice Sunday. But you can catch Mance and Mitchell in the morning Saturday at 10 a.m. when we welcome legendary true crime author Ann Rule. And be sure to join us on Monday, November 8th at our next metaphysical mixer and free listener party at Masala. Meet some of our favorite intuitives and energy workers and sample a reading. Get details at GaryMance.com. Join Deborah Silverman, internationally recognized astrologer and psychotherapist, for an intriguing weekend of astrology, November 6th and 7th. Whether you're a beginning or intermediate student, this workshop will take you into the heart of astrology's true purpose. Why am I here? What are my gifts? What path is right for me? Astrology for Beginners highlights the practical nuts and bolts of astrology, including the elements, signs, planets, houses, and aspects, while shedding light on how to use astrology to awaken one's spiritual identity and life purpose. Astrology for Beginners will be held at the Hotel Monaco in downtown Seattle. Visit Deborah's website at deborah-silverman.com to register. Class space is limited. Register with a friend and receive a $50 discount. Tired of the insanity of other talk radio stations? Just click your radio knob and say there's no place like Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We are live here in Seattle with Dr. Alan Geddes, all the way from New York, by the way. Dr. Um, Geddes is a clinical psychologist, very well educated, who also happens to have a wonderful spiritual emphasis in his teachings and healing practice that he is a part of. And so we're grateful to have your wisdom here with us today, Dr. Geddes. Glad to be here. No place else I would rather be. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. So we're going to go back to the phone lines. Who do we have, Eric? And uh, if... People want to call in, they can. We've got a couple lines open. I just want to mention that before we talk to Anna in Edmonds. Wonderful. Hi, Anna. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Great. Thank you. What can Dr. Geddes do for you today? Well, um, kind of like a million people, I just sort of have that stuck feeling. And probably, maybe most mostly apply to my marriage, my relationship. And I go back to like 30 years ago when one of the wisest people in my life ever told me that. I asked her about this relationship, and she was an astrologer. And she said that it was we had a lot of karmic stuff that we needed to deal with, but that it would take a very long, long time to make a very important decision. Wow. So I struggle with that thought. And, you know, thought through the years, okay, is this a long time? (laughs) You know, what's a long time? (laughs) 
And I just don't seem to be able to move forward. But, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. And, you know, I, I feel like some resolution needs to be had. But I can't seem to put that first foot forward. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Geddes, your yeah. suggestions? Yeah. yeah, you know, monogamy in and of itself is challenging. I and mean, if we look at the divorce rates and then we look at the people who are together but are unhappy and people who become workaholics because they don't want to go home and the people who are using substances and overeating and overdrinking to deal with the stress of marriages, it's hard. Um, but there are people who are able to be in long-term marriages of 30 or more years and do okay. But I think, uh, let, me, let me tell you a very brief story that I think applies. When Einstein was teaching at Princeton, he went to hand out the final exam, or he had his proctor handed out to the students, and the proctor noticed it was the same exam as the year before, and you don't do that in universities. So he said, Professor, this is the same exam as last year. And Einstein replied, I know, but this year all the answers are different. (laughs) And I think that applies to marriages. We can't just rely on what used to work, what did it, what what, uh, maybe the answer was 20 years ago or 15 or even last year. We need to reinvent our, our marriages. It's almost like having serial monogamy, you know, one marriage after another within the same marriage. So I, I think part of this is to try to be creative and think about how you're going to get your needs met better within this marriage. You take inventory. You know, am I spending enough alone time with my husband or too much time? Am I seeing friends enough or not enough? Uh, do we do things enough with other people? Do we vacation? And I think you just take inventory and you start to shake things up and reinvent the marriage. And part of this would be enlisting him, if you wanted to remain in the marriage, to to make him part of the effort to have shared responsibility in in finding out what it's going to take for both of you to feel more fulfilled in this relationship. But many relationships... Uh, you get to that point where you're disappointed, and then the real challenge and the work begins. You know, do I walk away? Do I do everything I can to turn this into a more fulfilling relationship? And if so, how do I get started? And you said it's difficult to take that first step. I don't know if you've spoken to him yet, but, I mean, that might be a first step to say, what do we need to do? You know, what do we need to do? in order to take this and run with it, to to begin to see if we can make this a happier relationship for the both of us. I think that's a great idea. I guess maybe in my situation I sort of feel more like perhaps we don't have the tools. We don't have Mm -hmm. the stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, For a lot of reasons, he's not able to do any of those things. he, He comes across to me, Pam, um, as, I mean, Anna, excuse me, as depressed. That's how he comes across very, to me. I think yeah. very. And, um, and, and, you know, I actually have a real intellectual understanding of everything that takes place. 
but I don't like to upset the apple cart. I'm one of the people that likes to keep everything. I don't want to be the person that creates any disruption and blah, blah, blah. And that's what it all is for the family, for everybody connected. So I guess it's just anticipating all that disruption that's just like, okay, well, I'll just stay where I'm at. But, but you know, Anna, but, you know, the, the thing about not taking the steps or creating the fuss is if you don't do that, it almost ensures Groundhog Day, you know, the same day over and over again. <laughs> it ensures miserable safety. You're going to play it safe, but you're going to get the status quo, what you've been getting. So the only way to really get what you want here is to be willing to increase your anxiety a little bit by taking a risk, mm-hmm. by acting instead of deciding not to act. I know it's it's going to increase your anxiety level a bit, but that's how we ultimately get what we want is by being willing to take some chances like that. I completely agree. In, in, as And I loved what you said, you know, the miserable, re- repetitive life just over and over and over again. And, and it is super, super hard. But don't you think, Dr. Geddes, that when, once you do that, even when you're anxious, then things actually begin to fall away that need to fall away and more of the problem becomes obvious? Yes, yes, I, mm-hmm. I do think that. I'm I'm a big one on what I call showing up for your own life, which means to to really, despite your fear, do what's necessary. You know, remember that that slogan years ago that Nike had that was so successful, which was "Just do it." Just think of how unsuccessful it would have been if the slogan was "Just think about doing it." <laughs> so it's very important to to be able to not just have an insight but to take that insight and translate it into your day-to-day life, to act on it. That's the only way at least you're giving yourself a chance to get what you want in this life. Anna, I think he's giving you wonderful advice, and I'm sorry it's upsetting. I mean, I know his advice is great and you're not upset, but I'm sorry it's upsetting for you to be able to speak your truth in your family relationships, but I I think it's the only way anything's going to change. I think that's it. Maybe I just need to hear that because what I know is that I'm stuck, and I guess I've been frustrated that I've been stuck for so long because I, I, I really, if I was my own friend and I was giving myself advice, I know exactly what I'd say to myself. But in my own shoes, just putting that first foot forward and thinking of the, you know, my kids, you know, you know, it just upsets the apple cart. Everything's mm-hmm. disrupted. Well, and, Anna, why, why don't you treat yourself the same way you would treat your best friend? You know, to give yeah. yourself that kind of encouragement, to nurture yourself, to support you. And you probably need here something resembling some unconditional love toward yourself, you know, where you give yourself the benefit of the doubt, you accept the difficulty that you've been having, but you resolve to really act in what you believe to be your best interest. That's, that's great. You know, it, it's so true. And I, I think I need to hear that. <laughs> So I really appreciate your input and your advice. And thank you so much for calling in. We wish you a wonderful day, and we hope the apple cart is upset. Okay. In a good way. Great. Okay. Bless your heart. You have a great day. Bye-bye. Who else do we have, Eric? Now we're going to travel cross-country down to Florida and talk to Cammie in Orlando. Hi, Cammie. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad you've got this program today. My my teenage daughter just struggles with... um, you know, depression and anxiety all the time. And um, I know when 
Um, you know, we're on it. We're working with everybody we possibly can, alternative and non-alternative. But, um, you know, it's her senior year of school, and it seems like so much piles on, and she just shuts down. I don't know if you have any suggestions on for a parent how to help. Um, yeah, um, it's a tough time. I, I, I certainly think that if you spoke to enough people, you would uh, have a lot of company here. The teenage years in and of themselves can be nightmarish for kids, and especially as teenagers are trying to find their own autonomy and independence themselves. They tend to treat parents in, in, in ways uh, in which they don't even allow the parents to help them to the extent the parents are capable of. So I, I think, um, you know, part of this is for you to just be there for her in any way that, that uh, she sees fit to ask you for support, guidance, help, and so on, and for you to be patient because the age-old wisdom of this who shall pass is going to apply. You know, I think um, part of, of what happens is when we find these challenging times, uh, we think that there's always going to be some kind of neat solution, and sometimes the solution just takes time to run its course because it's a process. And I, I think if you can get help for her, if she's willing to get help, that might be wonderful. But I, I say if she's willing, because if she feels forced to get into a therapeutic situation, it may not be as successful. But if she's willing, um, give her some hand in helping to find a therapist and see if that gets going. And just remind her that you're there for her. You'll always be there for her. And that this is a difficult time in her life that she's going to be able to get through. I think she needs to believe that and understand that, that she's going to get through this. Because sometimes when we get depressed, our vision becomes myopic, and yeah. we think this is how we're always going to feel. See, this is how we're always going to feel, and it's really not. But we lose our way a little bit. So if you can get her to sort of put this in perspective into the bigger picture, that this is a tough time in life, and she does have a lot of things to look forward to, and in fact help her to find some of those things and put some of those things on her calendar in the short term and in the long term, things that she can really feel good about, uh, that may be helpful. Mm -hmm. And for you to be patient, I think patience is the new mantra here. You know, we have to understand we have our limits as parents. And although we would like to be able to help our kids instantly, uh, sometimes we're just not able to do that. But if we don't get too discouraged and if we continue to deal with the issues and we encourage them, sometimes, you know, that, that's uh, the, the best we could do at a given time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I get the feeling that it'll be after she goes away to school, if that's what mm -hmm. her plan is, mm -hmm. and she's had a few years on her own that she's going to be going, God, Mom, you were so right. And then you're going to feel like, you know, she, she really was listening, even though everything was piling in the back of her head, because <laughs> you have a very wise daughter. She's got, you know, she's a very smart girl. And, and you've given her, I, I'm sure, you know, the best that you possibly can. And so eventually she's going to take it in. But I think that whole idea, Dr. Geddes, about being patient is definitely what um, this time period calls for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Patience. <laughs> I know it's hard, and, but, you know, keep, keep doing the best you can with it and remind yourself. You know, just think about that. Patience, patience, patience. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Those are, those are strong words. <laughs> yeah. Well, have a wonderful day in Florida. All right. Thanks, Marie. Alrighty. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. All right. Let's talk to Pam in Spokane. Great. Hi, Pam. How are you? Hi, Marie. Hi, Dr. Geddes. Hi. Hi, Pam. Now I feel like I don't even know what my question is. <laughs> Everything's been helpful, but I've just kind of been in my own cocoon for some time and learning about my own sensitivity, and um, I need to get back out there for financial reasons, and I guess I get afraid that about relationships and work. Like, will I find a fit, you know, for me? Yeah, um, this gets back to, I think, a little bit of what we said earlier, is you want to exchange some of that worry for trust mm-hmm. and just believe. You want to believe that you can find a good fit for yourself and not allow your fears or insecurities to prevent you from doing everything that you need to do in order to be able to wind up in the position that you may feel more fulfilled in. You know, sometimes we let that scared voice within us dictate our decision-making, and really our decisions should be made by the voice that we're trying to uh, nurture, which is the voice of confidence and security. And for, for most people, security, they think it has to do with having a good job, having a lot of money, having a big house, and it really doesn't. I mean, for, security is a feeling, and it's a feeling that we can cultivate that we'll be able to handle what comes our way. You know, that's really what security is about. We'll be able to get through and do okay. You know, if we fall down, we'll be able to get up, dust ourselves off, and continue and ultimately get to where we want to get to. So, uh, like we mentioned to the callers previously, you don't want to let the anxiety narrow your world, because that's what anxiety tends to do. Anxiety leads you to play it safe and not to get out there. And you are saying you really do recognize you need to get out there in order to wind up where you want to wind up. So you want to keep talking to yourself in that way, using that encouraging, nurturing voice to make sure that your decisions are not based on feeling some measure of insecurity. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that whole idea about feeling secure. You know, we're waiting, right, till the house is big enough, till there's so much money in the savings account. We're always postponing our happiness. Yes. You know, it's I'll be happy when. Like you say, I'll be happy when we get this much money, when we can buy the bigger house, when I lose 15 pounds. (laughs) We never give ourselves permission to be happy now. Right. And and it's okay to be happy even when circumstances in your life are not exactly the way you would like them to be. It's it's still okay for you to feel good, to believe that you're going to get better circumstances, and to do everything you can to roll up your sleeves and, and 
plunge into it and try to bring it about. Mm-hmm. And I love that whole idea about feeling secure because I, I think you have to feel what you want before it comes versus mm. what everybody else tries to do. What we, you know, we, you know, consciously we think, well, if I get what I want, then I can feel the way I want to feel. Right. But you have to learn how to feel that in your cells, as you brought up earlier about the cells, because then that helps manifest your external world. Sure. Yeah. So feeling secure now, Pam, will help you gain that security, you know, in the external world that you're, you're wanting so much. You you know, one of my favorite exercises I haven't done in a little while, so I'm going to actually do it today when I get home is I get really excited about something. I have no idea what it is. And I just get really happy. Like something great happened in my life. And again, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. And I run around the house all excited and I light candles and, um, and I imagine my friend's thanking me or congratulating me or saying, oh, you're so lucky or whatever. And then um, a few months later, something really great happens in my life. So (laughs) I I think it would be a great exercise for you since you have some time on your hands (laughs) to, to celebrate something really cool and then see what the heck it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Good. Good. Well, thank you so much for calling, and um, we're looking for some fireworks from Spokane. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. And who do we have, Eric? All right, our last caller is Kathleen in Bellevue. Hi, Kathleen. How are you? Hi, Marie. Um, Thank you for taking my call. I I don't have um, a question about depression, although I'm, I'm sure I'm, I, I'm <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know, Dr. Geddes, she doesn't sound very depressed, does she? No, not at all. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm calling for a general reading. I've been to see a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been having some pain in my upper neck. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he identified what the pain is being caused from. And, and I just, I don't know. I just would like to have a general reading yeah. about my energetic system. Yeah. So I'll read I'll read your spine for you so we can, you know, so I can tell you what I'm seeing. I didn't see your neck initially when you mentioned the neck, then I went up to like C2 and you do have a leak on the left-hand side of that vertebrae, so you're leaking vital energy right there. But where I was, and I think Dr. Geddes can give us some tools to help you with what I'm about to talk about, the back of your solar plexus, which is mid-spine, so a little bit below the bra line, is where it's highlighted in your back. So it's the back of the third chakra, and that area is about how you see yourself in the world. So I, th- I think your actual discomfort, neck is about speaking your truth. And if you don't know who you are, sometimes it's hard to speak your truth. Um, I think that's really what's going on with your spine. And I always find it's and not always, I have a few uh, techniques that I teach people about how they can see themselves in the world in a, in a more positive way, or maybe a more way that is truly more to their liking. But um, Dr. Geddes, what, what would you recommend about how can we see ourselves as we truly are? Well, you know, I, uh, for this particular question, I would certainly defer to you. I think it's an, <laughs> an area of your knowledge base. But I do know that when people come into my office and they talk about uh, a pain in their neck, for example, and we continue to talk, it's not unusual within the session for them to describe a situation or a person who's really been a pain in their neck. <laughs> um, I, I worked with a person not long ago who came in because she had pretty much lost her eyesight, and it had to do with her not wanting to see what was going on in her life. Right. And as we talked more and more, her vision got better and better. So I think, you know, part of this is, this. I don't mean to say this is all in your head, because I understand this is real pain, 
and this is, uh, you know, a real issue and a problem. But part of it, for me, would be to try to address uh, with you what was going on in your life that might be aggravating this, contributing to it, mm-hmm. and and to realize, you know, uh, whatever methods were going to help you discharge tension mm-hmm. and to let go of issues that maybe you would be able to let go of. Because a lot of times, pain is about holding on. And and thank you so much, Dr. Geddes. We're going to have to go off the air here. because No, thank you. That's perfect. And we're sorry that we can't get to all of your questions, Kathleen. And how can people reach you, Alan? Uh, They can go to my website, which is drgeddes.com. That's D-R-G-E-T-T-I-S.com. Or my number is 201-488-1800. Thank you so much, everyone. Joyful blessings. Until next week. Bye-bye.